Colossians chapter 17, the Apostle Paul, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Colossae. And uh, let's go to uh, Colossians 1 verse 8. Um, well, go to verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, he's heard about their faith and their love for the Lord. And he's saying, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I mean, oh, he wants us to know his will. Amen? Amen. It's the Lord's will that we know his will. Uh, it says in another place, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We are not supposed to be ignorant of his will. We are supposed to find out what his will is. We are not supposed to be lazy Christians and just say, whatever the will of the Lord is. No, we are to find out what the will of the Lord is. Amen? And verse 10, it says that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. And it says fully pleasing him. Does it please the Lord when we walk worthy of the Lord? Yes. It pleases the Lord. That you know, it puts a smile on his face. It, it makes him happy when we walk in a manner that pleases him. That, and, you know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So that means it's going to require some faith because without faith, you cannot please him. And so walking worthy is going to require our faith. It takes faith to do some things that he's asked us to do. It takes faith relying on his grace, relying on his enablement and his ability and his power. And this is what we've been talking about. We've been talking about walking worthy of the Lord. And our heart's desire should be to walk worthy of him. Is it your heart's desire that you want to live your life in a way that is worthy of him? Amen. Not, not trying to get the Lord to be worthy of us and worthy of our lives and worthy of our time and worthy of our, you know, family and worthy of our efforts. No, we are living in a manner that we are living worthy of him. And we're just reviewing right now. But, you know, we said a number of times that uh, a lot of people and Christians, if they were to examine it, what they're trying to do is get the Lord to be worthy of them. And what they're doing is God is kind of like a side thing in their lives. And if they have time, if there's no ball game on, if they don't have to go to the mall, if they don't have vacation plan, if they don't have other things to do, then they'll fit God in where they can fit God in. Well, that's not living a life worthy of him, that is trying to make God worthy of your lives, worthy of our lives. And that's not how it's supposed to be. We're not to try to get Jesus to adapt to us. We adapt to him. Amen. We adapt to who he is. And we don't want to just be uh, saying, Lord, you're worthy and talk about how worthy he is and, you know, proclaim he's good and proclaim he's holy, but we don't live in a manner that is worthy of him. And so that's what we're talking about. You know, I, I despise that fakery stuff and phoniness and, you know, people and they come to church, oh, glory to God, and they're all holy and stuff. And then, then after church, they're nothing like that. They're not walking in, in the fruit of the Spirit. They're not living by faith. They're not doing any of those things that they say amen and shout about. I, I, I don't want that to be me. I, what about you? I don't want that to be me. How many you know the, Jesus told the Pharisees, the most religious people of his day, he said, uh, you, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Well, we don't want that. We don't want to be people. The Lord says, so all you're doing is honor me with your lips. You ain't even living like it. No, we don't want that. You know, now, um, the, the key, though, is to understanding, is he worthy of our lives? Is he worthy? Has he done some things that we say, Lord, you are worthy of my time. 
You're worthy of the effort. You're worthy of me giving you my life. You're worthy. After all he's done for us, you know, think about all the the things that he's done for us. Him laying down, first of all, that he came from heaven to earth and he laid down his life. I mean, he was with God and he said, you know what, I will come to earth as a man and go through what they go through and sacrifice myself for them. I'll deal with the beatings. I'll deal with the persecution. I'll deal with the mockings. I'll deal with the scourgings. I'll go to the cross. I'll take the brunt of sin on my body, on my shoulders. That's what he did. He didn't just, uh, you know, deal with sin in a manner of, I'll take a couple of these sins here. No, he actually became sin for us, amen, so that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. He became sin. He went to hell. He did all that for us because he thought we were worthy. He thought we were worth his sacrifice. He thought we were worth his love. He thought that we were worth him fighting for Because who was he fighting uh, for us from? The enemy. The enemy, right? The enemy snatched us up and he he was taking us with him to hell. And the Lord said, no, I'm coming to fight for them. I'm not just going to let you take them. I'm not just going to let you take what the Father, my Father, has created. Those are people that he has called to be my children. I'm not just going to let you take them. And so he fought for us and he loved us and he thought we were worthy enough to fight for. Amen. Amen. And so we should think the Lord is worthy of our lives, that he's worthy of our fight. We first talked about we talked about he's worthy of our fight, that anything that the Lord has bought and paid for, that anything that he went through for us when he took stripes upon his back so that we can be healed, I mean, you know, we should fight for that. We should not just say, well, Lord, if you want to heal me, heal me. No, that's, no, he, he, he already did. And so it's up to us to fight for that healing now. And so uh, the next thing we talked about last week, we talked about he's worth fighting. Uh, the Lord is worth our love. You guys remember that? Those who are here, he's worth our love. And we talked about that. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to that, I don't want to go into too much detail because then we'll start preaching it all over again. But, <laughs> but he's worth our love. Jesus said that in John 14, that if you obey my commandments, that is the person who loves me. And he said, and if you love me, you'll obey my commandments and my father will come to him and reveal himself. The Amplified says that he will become more real, more clearly seen. So if you want God to become more real to you, what do you need to do? You need to obey him. Amen. And he said, those that do not obey me, they don't love me. And so it's real easy to identify how much we love the Lord. How much am I obeying him? That's all really it comes down to. I know sometimes people don't like it that black and white, but I'm just saying what Jesus said. I'm just reading the scriptures, amen? And we shouldn't try to water it down, and that's what happens with Christianity is people try to water down the scriptures, and then nobody ever is, uh, you know, challenged to come up to the standard of Jesus. Well, he is the standard, though, right? He is the standard that we're supposed to look to. There's no other standard that we're supposed to look to but Jesus, amen? Amen. Well, he's, he's worthy. Amen. So let's go further today. Go to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. And get into today what we're going to get into. Luke 17. And uh, we'll start in verse, verse 11. I'm reading from the New King James. It says, Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. 
And so it was that as they went, somebody said, as they went, they were cleansed or they were healed. Now, I don't know how much you know about this, but if you, this right here is an act of faith. It says, as they went, they were cleansed. He didn't say, you're healed. He said, go show yourselves to the priests. And now, if you read in the book of Leviticus, especially 13 and 14, that you were not a person with leprosy. I don't know if you, leprosy was a, a skin condition or is a skin condition. It's a debilitating skin issue. And the people that had leprosy were ostracized from society. They were isolated so that no one else would, you know, catch this leprosy. So they were excluded from community. Uh, and it was a very nasty skin disease. But if they were cured and if they were healed, they were to go to the priest to show that they were healed and they were cured. That's, you can read that in the book of Leviticus. So Jesus telling them, go show yourself to the priest, he's basically saying, you're healed. But it was still an act of faith and an act of obedience because they had to take the step to turn around and say, okay, without seeing any manifestation in their body, without seeing their leprous skin cleanse, they had to turn around and go. And that would require faith. It was faith. It says as they went. So what if they didn't went? I know that's not good. I know that's not good English. I said that on purpose. But what if they didn't went? What if they didn't go? No go, no healing. No went, no healing, right? It was as they went that they received their healing. So what if only three, it was 10 of them, right? What if only three of them went and three got healed and the other seven didn't? You know what Christians today would say? Well, guess it wasn't God's will that they were to be healed. That's what they would say. But no, three obeyed. The other seven didn't, if in that hypothetical situation. But no, all of them went, and so all obeyed, and all were healed. So you see, the healing is connected with what they did as they went. It was connected with their faith. As they stepped out to do what the Lord told them to do, they were healed. Verse 5, and it says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, notice it was with a loud voice, not a whisper, not a quiet voice, not whispering, with a loud voice, glorify God. Now, do, do these details matter? Is that in there for a reason? With a loud voice, that's in there for a reason. This, these things are for us to glean from, to, to look at and say, okay. And to get direction and instruction for our lives. Verse 16, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, well, you know, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, arise, go your way, and my power has made you well. No. Did he? he didn't say that, did he? No. <laughs> no, he said, your faith. He could have said that if he wanted to, though. Yeah. If Jesus wanted to emphasize that it was the power of God, it was the mercy of God, he could have said that. Now, of course, it was his power, but it was activated by the man's faith. It was activated by their faith. He said, your faith has made you well. So 10 were healed, but only one came back to give thanks. Why did only one come back to express thanksgiving? Was the other nine, was Jesus not worth their gratitude, their thanks, their thanksgiving? Well, that's what we're talking about today, that Jesus is worth my gratitude. And it's Thanksgiving week, and so that flows really good into the rest of this week. Amen? Amen. But is he worth our gratitude? Yeah. Is he word, worth our thanksgiving? Yeah. You know, now that's pretty much a universally accepted principle that is good to give thanks. 
right? You wouldn't find many people that say, nah, that's not a good thing to be thankful, right? Maybe, maybe though in today's culture, I don't know. But, but for the most part, universally, people believe being thankful is a good thing. We believe that, right? It's a principle. But it's one thing to believe it, and it's one thing to live that way as an everyday lifestyle, that you are just a thankful person, that you express gratitude on a daily basis, you know, not just believe it on paper, not just say, yes, the Bible says to be thankful. No, but we really ought to live and cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving and cultivate a lifestyle of praise. Amen. Amen. Now, we're, we're reading about these nine here, but let's not just think about the nine. Why didn't they come back to give the Lord gratitude, to give the Lord praise and give him glory. Uh, But let's put ourselves in these situations. You know, why would anyone that received a miracle, that received a blessing, that received a better way of living, not show appreciation, not come back and say thank you? I mean, this guy came back with a loud voice and exclaimed his thanksgiving and gave God glory. And Jesus questioned, hey, where's the other nine? Now, I don't think that Jesus is, you know, wanting his ego stroked. Do you know? He's not wanting his ego stroked. He's not lacking affirmation. He's not like, oh, you know, I came to earth and have been working day and night and healing people and laying down my life. The last thing you think they would do is come back and thank me at least for healing all these ingrates. And all. they can't even say thank you. No, that's Jesus wouldn't do that because then he'd be complaining, right? No, so it's not about him. It's not something that he needs, but he knows that they need to come back and acknowledge for their sake. It has to do with them. It's not about him needing the praise and and the glory. It's about him knowing that they need to do this, that it's important for them. And we'll get into that why. But why would some people not come back to give thanks? Why? You can make all kind of reasons and, you know, you look into this and there's all kind of reasons that doesn't say specifically why. But just put yourselves, uh, if that were to happen today, you know, people could forget you know, on their way, they're, they're healed, and then they get so excited, and they go and tell their family, look, I'm healed. I can live among you now, and they forget to go back and thank the Lord. Now, none of these are excuses because Jesus didn't say, hey, maybe they, you know, forgot, <laughs> you know. No, he wasn't commending them. He was reprimanding. Where are they, you know? Uh, there could be a number of reasons, you know. They could have said, well, the Lord knows deep in my heart that I'm thankful, you know, I don't have to go tell him. He's, he's busy healing people and preaching. He probably hears thank you all the time, and he doesn't need to hear from me. I'm just a poor little person. I mean, it's all kind of reasons that people could have, right? Or they could have felt entitled, like, hey, it's about time I got healed. <laughs> Been dealing with leprosy for all these years. The least he could have did was heal me, healing all these other people. It's about time he healed me. <laughs> I mean, there's all kind of reasons that they could have had. But, and just a side note to this while we're on this, just because people see a miracle and experience a miracle, that doesn't mean that their heart is going to change and come to the Lord. That doesn't mean that they will change the way they live and now they're living their life to give glory to God, give glory to God. That doesn't mean that automatically. I mean, people saw miracles in Jesus' day And when he preached a message about eat my flesh and drink my blood, they left by the thousands, the Bible said. After he just got through feeding a multitude with a miracle, he he preached a message, they got offended, and they left. So when you see people, you know, that uh, they say, I'll stay with you forever, I'll follow you wherever. Well, that didn't happen with Jesus, so why would I believe you, (laughs) right? But they left Jesus and they got offended. Jesus turned to his disciples, and you know what he said? You guys going to? Jesus didn't try to apologize. He didn't try to say, sorry, sorry for offending you. No, he just said, hey, you either with me or you're not with me. Yeah. Amen? But let's deal with a couple of reasons that we could be unthankful. Is that okay? Yeah. 
to deal with a couple of reasons why we could be unthankful. A couple of things that I see is entitlement and pride. And these are the enemy of gratitude and thanksgiving. I mean, we live in a culture that is very entitled, that is very ungrateful. And because we live in this culture, we have to be very careful that that mentality doesn't rub off on us because it can, you know. And uh, again, um, just so that we're all on the same page here, when we're talking about entitled, people that are entitled and prideful, we're talking about people that don't go here, that, that aren't dealing, you know, that you don't even know, okay? So don't be trying to think of somebody in your mind because you never met these people. This is sarcasm, guys. It's, I'm just saying that no one needs to feel like I'm being singled out, okay? Because these are things, how I many of the nature of the flesh is pride. That is the nature of our flesh, of our, before being born again, that is the nature of our flesh is pride. And the more you grow in humility, you'll notice pride and you'll notice it in other people. But it's not, it's not for you to point out like, oh, that's pride. Sheep talking about that, that's pride. No, you just know, hey, I need to change this in my life because na- that's the nature of my flesh too. So you just deal with it. But we don't need to be thinking about other people. What we need to be thinking about is ourselves. Amen? Amen. You ever listen to a message for other people? It's not the right thing to do. You don't want to listen to them. I wish they were here. I wish they were listening to this. Well, listen to it for yourselves. Amen? But, you know, there's phrases that you hear often and we need to be careful for. And they're phrases like, you deserve it. I deserve it. You ever heard phrases like that? Something good happens. Well, you deserve it. Well, not really. None of us deserve anything because if we got anything good, because if it's from God, it's a gift. It's a grace. How many know the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the father above? And if we deserve it, then that means it was owed to us. And we earned it and we worked for it. People say, you deserve it. Well, not really. And I know people are meaning well, and I don't say anything if anybody said that to me. But you have to know for yourself that, no, I don't deserve it. It's nothing I did to deserve this. Because if I got what I deserved, I'd be lost forever. I'd be on my way to hell. Uh, So anything good that I got is not something that I deserve. It's something that the Lord just graciously gave me. He gifted me. He graced me with it. Amen. You know, we don't want to talk about what we deserve. I mean, if anybody think about the children, the first generation of Israelites, they were in bondage, what, 400 years, hundreds of years. They're slaves. You would say, man, they got free. They deserve it. Nope. That's not what happened. None of the, out of that first generation, only two went into the promised land. Two, because they were the two that didn't complain, and they were the two that had faith and that were thankful. Amen? Because they know, hey, this is not owed to us. This is God, and I trust him. Amen? Amen. So anything God has done for us, it's a gift, and we don't need to get this entitled mentality that somebody owes us something, that God owes us. And you see this demonstrated in relationships very often and more so. This is something that you have to be on guard for that you'll see in relationships. What do I mean by that? I know um, we were having breakfast with somebody earlier in the week and he doesn't go here or anything like that. But we were talking about some ministers that are elders of ours that we greatly respect, that we love them, and that they have been a tremendous blessing in our lives. And I was telling him that the best thing they ever did for me was not help me. And that makes it, wow, what do you mean the best thing they ever did for me was not help? Well, you know, people can get their eyes on other people, and they can look to them and not look to the Lord. People can get their eyes on people and expect them to do things for them. 
And they do that with their leaders. They look to them, they get their eyes on them, and they're expecting something from them. And, you know, Pastor Clarissa and I, we knew that we were called to ministry, full-time ministry. And so you're tempted to want something from them to, man, if they would just show me and help us this and help us in that way. And that never came in that manner. Now, they were helping us, but we didn't realize it at the time because they're they're just by watching and being, uh, you know, seeing their lives and the way they live and the way they do things. But at the time, you're wanting something a certain way. You're wanting it to come a certain way. And if you're not careful, you start to see what can happen is that your faith is in them and not in God. And so the Lord helped us see, wait a minute, we should not be looking to them. They're not our source. They're not the provider. Whether they do anything, I don't even know. At this time, I didn't know if they even knew our names. But that doesn't matter. If that's what we're supposed to be, that's what we're supposed to be. Amen? But people, what they do is they get their eyes on people and they get hurt and offended when things don't happen the way they want. I've been serving here for all these years. You can't even say hi to me. Don't know my name. Well, who says that you're entitled for them to know your name? Right? I mean, when you think about it, why should they? I mean, who are we? Who am I? And that's what I'm saying. That is unthankful. And the Lord helped us see that, no, we're not going to be unthankful for the, the, the anointing, the word that we're getting, for the help that we're getting. And it helped us and enabled us to get our eyes off of them and onto the Lord and put our trust in him. And when we put our trust in the Lord and begin to look to him as our source, to look to him as our provider, to look to him to line us up, to do the things that we need for him to help us, to get us to where we need to go, that's when the grace of God, the miracle started to occur because now we got our eyes off of them. We got our eyes off of them, and now God can do something. Now God can intervene and work a miracle on our behalf. And we saw that, see, God wants to take us to different levels of faith. He wants to raise us up from faith to faith. But if our eyes are just on people, he can't do that. And sometimes the Lord will not allow them to do certain things because you got your eyes on them. And sometimes they may want to do something. In their heart, they're like, man, I want to bless them. I want to do something for them. But if they're spiritual people and they check with the Lord, they'll know, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm working on something. And they they may not even know why. They may not even know why. That for some reason, I I, I mean, I've had actually people tell us that. Elders of ours, there was things we wanted to do, but we didn't know why. We couldn't. It was the Lord. Because he's wanting to take us to another level of faith where we got our eyes on him and we're and in trust, yeah, where we're not looking to people. Because you get to, there's going to be a time in our lives where people, what we're believing God for, people cannot do for us. No one man can do for us is what I mean. You guys know what I mean by that, right? No one person can do what we're believing and looking to God for. So he has to get our eyes off of people. And unto him. And if I would have or she would have, we would have felt entitled and got into pride. Like, don't they know this? And don't they understand who we are and blah, blah, blah. And what the anointing is on our life. We could have stopped miracles from happening in our lives. Connections that God was trying to ordain. And because of that, we saw God orchestrate things and do things in a way that we have to say, man, that was God. Because if it would have came through them, we would have just thought, well, yeah, they know us and blah, blah, blah. And and that doesn't mean it wouldn't have been God. But when it happens a different way from people you didn't know, and it's like, that was God. But it doesn't happen when your eyes are on people, when you're looking to people and you're talking about, man, they don't do this for me and they don't do that for me. And expectations, people put expectations. How I many know Psalms 118 verse 8 and 9 says it's better to trust in the Lord than to trust in man. Yeah. It's better to trust 
in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. What are princes? Princes are people who have influence, who have connections, right? They're high up. Well, you can get your eyes on them and the Lord say, no, I don't want to do it through them. I want to do it through somebody else. And you can get mad and upset and leave where God has connected you to and, and, who's God, and who God has joined you to and never see the miracle that God wants you to have because your eyes are on people. And, and, and that's how people get hurt. That's how people get distraught. That's how people leave the ministry and leave God because they were looking too much to people. They were looking too much on other people and they became unthankful. I'm forever grateful to those people that didn't help me because they did help me and that I learned to get my eyes on God. Now they helped you look now they helped us in a lot of ways. Don't get me wrong. But in the ways that I was looking at them to help me, I was they didn't help me in those ways and I'm thankful that they didn't. I look back and I say, thank you that you didn't help us in that. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Because then I wouldn't have learned to trust God as my source. Then I wouldn't have learned to look to him. And my faith came up. Our faith came up to another level. But he wants to do that with all of us. But if we're unthankful and we're ungrateful, we, what happens is our understanding becomes darkened. Go to uh, Romans chapter 1, please. Romans chapter 1. Just not acknowledging the good that God is doing is unthankfulness. By just not acknowledging. Isn't that what happened with the nine? They didn't acknowledge. Romans chapter 1. You know, often the enemy tries to get us to be unthankful towards the person that God wants to use the most in our lives. He often will try to get us by planting seeds, complaining, grumbling, to get unthankful towards them. And that's the person God wants to use the most in your life. He's, he's, that's one of the people that God really wants to use in your life. So the enemy's going to work so that you start seeing all their flaws. And so you start seeing all their shortcomings. And so you're just focused on the negative. Right, husbands and wives? Any husbands and wives in here? It's, you could testify of that, right? What are, you, what are you most annoyed about him? And complain the most you're, you're also being unthankful for. You're thinking about all the things that you're unthankful, and they never, I'm tired of them. They always leave the toilet seat up, and you're grumbling to yourself. She never closes the cabinets in the kitchen. Like, right, complaining, unthankful, right? Often the enemy will work so that we are complaining and unthankful towards the people that God has joined us to that are going to help us, that he wants to use in our lives. Romans chapter 1, let's start in verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools." Notice what happens when no glory and no thanksgiving is happening towards God. Minds become useless and darkened, and people literally become dumber and dumber. They don't see what God is doing because all that they're, fo they're not thankful, they're in the dark, all they're looking at looking at is the negative and that causes a spiritual blindness unthankfulness is a spiritual door that is open to spiritual blindness i said 
unthankfulness, not being grateful, not being thankful is a spiritual door that is opened to spiritual blindness. When you are unthankful, when we are unthankful, we're opening the door for our understanding to become darker and darker. This is what happened right here, right? This is what's going on in uh, the Amplified. It says it like this, because when they knew and recognized him as God, they did not honor and glorify him as God or give him thanks, but instead they became futile, godless in their thinking with vain imaginations, foolish reasoning, and stupid speculations, and their senseless minds were darkened. Unthankfulness leads to stupidity. It really does. You think about it, you, if we all examine our lives, we can say, man, that was dumb. I got unthankful, said some things, and what was going on? Darkness. We weren't seeing things clearly. We weren't seeing things the way we should. And you know, this is the foundation of atheism. This is the foundation of people that say there is no God. They don't want to acknowledge that there is a creator. And so you're not giving him glory. You're not giving him thanks. And so what's happening? You're becoming darker in your thinking. They're becoming darker and their understanding, and their reasoning. And it's just foolishness, the stuff that they come up with. Well, because when you don't give glory to God, when you don't acknowledge that there is a God, that is the, re- the result, right? That, that's the result. And just like I said, with our, you know, you could do the same thing in our lives. Examine what you're thinking about. Examine the things that you're unthankful for, that you're upset about, and it's because we're not acknowledging the good. What, what if we start acknowledging the good things in our spouse or that individual? Oh, I'm, I'm thankful. I like the way you take the garbage out. If that's the only thing you can find, I like the way you twirl that spoon in the soup. I like that. I'm thankful for that. Find some. Now, surely there's some more things that you can be thankful for. But how I many you know you, you, you start to make an effort to make yourself remember and notice the good and start focusing on all the negative things. And what happens is the darkness leaves, right? You see, we're talking about what we're meditating on. This is what you're meditating on. What you're talking about is what you're meditating on. What you're complaining about, that reveals what you're thinking about. What you're constantly complaining, what you're constantly pointing out, that shows and reveals to us that all you're thinking about is the negative. What's not happening for me? What's not going on? What's not right? Right? That's what's going on. And we should at least be thankful for the lives that God has connected us to, the, God, the lives that God has joined us together with. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You know, at one point we were given a testimony on how God connected us to that person. Man, this was a divine connection, whether it's a husband or wife, whether it's a pastor, and then something you see in them. Oh, man, I don't like that. And now they're the Antichrist, and you're pointing everything out that you don't like in that person, right? Well, that's the way the enemy works. He's, he's wanting us to focus on the negative because our, dar- our understanding becomes darkened. But is there something else we can do besides being unthankful? Is there something else that we can do? Any takers at all? Or do we want to stay in darkness? No, we don't want to stay in darkness. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says in verse 16, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. It says, rejoice, rejoice every Sunday at church for a couple of hours. You know, especially when people are watching you. No, (laughs) rejoice when we feel the Holy Ghost uh, and he's coming on you and you do a little dance, you know. You see people like, man, I don't want to get into that, but let's not pretend, okay? Let's not pretend at church. We got the Holy Ghost at church and then, uh, then out on the street cussing people out, acting like a heathen. No, you don't got the Holy Ghost. <laughs> well, it says rejoice 
always pray without ceasing and everything give thanks when the situation is good when all the situations in our lives are perfect and everybody is happy with us and treating us good no <laughs> in everything what give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, now, it's not saying we don't thank God for everything, but in everything, we can give thanks. You know, if somebody comes up and hits you upside the head, you don't go, oh, thank you, Lord. I must have needed it. No, but, but in every situation, we can find a reason to be thankful for. Amen. And it takes faith to do this. It takes faith to rejoice. It takes faith to give thanks when every situation around you is not going the way you want it to go. It requires faith. It requires faith that when you have pain in your body to say, I'm going to rejoice and I'm going to give God the thanks that by his stripes I am healed. You do this by faith. You rejoice by faith. Paul said this in Philippians 4, 4. He said it again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say, rejoice, rejoice. Now, we've heard these scriptures, but the reason why I'm saying the things like I'm saying is because sometimes we think, oh, that's in the good times I rejoice. Oh, when somebody just gave me a Pentecostal handshake, that's when I rejoice. You guys know what that is? Somebody put money in your hand, you know? <laughs> when, when, when everything is going good, that's when I rejoice. No, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You guys know where Paul wrote that from? And he wrote that from prison. He wrote that, and prisons aren't like they are today. You know, it was probably some type of dirt, whole thing. I don't know, concrete floors, I'm sure. But he wrote that while he's in prison. He said rejoice. In the Lord always. <laughs> and again, I say rejoice. It doesn't matter what you're dealing with. In every circumstance, in every situation, you could find a reason to give thanks. And this is what spiritual people do. This is what people of faith, this is what people who are growing and maturing do. They look for a reason to give thanks. They look for a reason to rejoice. When, you just, when you're not growing and you don't care to grow, what happens is that you just walk by your feelings. Well, no, I don't feel like rejoicing, so I ain't rejoicing. I don't care what nobody says. I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what nobody says. Usually it's more explicitives, expletives in that. But that's carnal, right? Anybody, any sinner can act that way. Any sinner can just act the way they feel. But spiritual people, people of faith, are looking for reasons to give thanks. They're saying, man... Yeah, I know money's low and bills are due, but hey, I thank God that the Lord supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. You're looking for things to be thankful for. And that is faith. Because if God said something, that he was going to do something, then how many know you should thank him? If you came up to me, I said, guys, you know, uh, Pastor Clarissa and I, it's our anniversary. And, uh, well, we wouldn't say something like that. But if I did, and I said, you know, we like to go to this favorite restaurant of ours. And uh, so if anybody would like to bless us, which I wouldn't say something like that, but it's just hypothetical. And you came up and you said, here's a $100 certificate to that restaurant. No, no, let's do it this way. You said, I'm going to bless you with a $100 certificate to that restaurant. And I know you. I know you're a person of your word. You're a person of integrity. And you've done things before like that. And I go, hmm, well, I'll wait to see before I thank you. How would, you, how would that make you feel? Like, what? Would you be happy about that? No, you would be happy if I said, I, let's wait to see if you get it to us, and then I'll thank you. No, you wouldn't do that. Well, what about our Father God? Has he ever failed us? Has he never, you know, has he ever failed us or does he always keep his word? So if he said that he was going to do something in our lives and it's in his word and we can go back to it and see, you said this in your word, what should we start doing right now? We should start thanking and rejoicing. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you that you're going to do this for us. Thank you that you cause us to triumph. Thank you that in this situation I always win. Thank you that I can cast all my cares upon you because you care for me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's what faith does, right? If we don't do that, that's because it's a lack of faith. But faith gives thanks. Faith rejoices. Even in the midst of the circumstance, even in the midst of the situation, even when things around you seem like, oh, man, everything is going bad, nothing is good, faith will look for a reason to be thankful. Because we're faith people. You know, sinners can look for the negative. Sinners point out the negative. Sinners look at all the negative things, right? Well, we're different. We're supposed to be different than them, amen? I know one time we were, uh, we were at a... Um, at a place where we were invited to go pray for somebody in hospice. You remember that? Uh, this was a few years ago. And um, now, you know, you're not always supposed to go when you're invited to pray for somebody. Uh, because if, what, one thing you need to find out, if, are they a believer and do they want me there? Because the Bible says, uh, let those who are sick call for the elders of the church. Well, we weren't really thinking about that. We just, we were, they asked, hey, can you go to this uh, place and pray for this individual? And the daughter was saved. Um, the, the mom was dying in hospice care and the husband was there and they wanted us to pray with them. So we went and we, uh, we just started to fill the situation out and uh, started talking to, to the husband whose wife is dying. And he's very angry. He's very upset and bitter at God, actually. And I'm like, you know, when people are bitter and upset with God and, and wife is dying, that's not the time to debate people and talk about stuff like that. You just want to love on people. And, you know, but he really didn't want us there. That's what I'm saying. You, you got to know that people, I mean, he didn't really wasn't happy that we were there. But his daughter was saved. And I think she was like, oh, dad. And she was the one, I think, maybe who wanted us to be there. So... Um, so anyway, I got to talking to him. We got to talking to him and asking him about his wife. And, you know, and he said, well, yeah, we've been married 73 years. I said, 73 years? I was like, well, glory to God. That's amazing. I, and I was genuinely, like, shocked. I've never met anybody married for 73 years. And so I thought, man, I've never, I said that to him, I've never met anybody married for 73 years. I was like, that's amazing that God would sustain you and give you a marriage that long, trying to get, you know, help him to see like, wow, yeah, that's good. That's something to be happy about. But no, he's mad at God that his wife is dying. Now I understand like, of course, you're going to, he's going to cry. He's going to miss her. But is that something to be thankful for that how many people don't even have, you know, marriages that last 10 years? Or, you know, I know a minister uh, person um, that his wife just went home to be with the Lord and they weren't even married 10 years. So 73 years is something to be thankful for. I mean, we all know we're going to die one day, right? You know, we're not going to live forever. So 73 years, I'm like, man, they must have been kids because he, I mean, he was still going good. And, and I'm like, wow. But he, no matter what I was saying to him, you know, in, in a kind way, he, he didn't receive it. He was upset. He was bitter for something he should be thankful for. And, you know, I understand he's, you know, going to be sad. But again, you know, I've seen other people in situations like that. The Lord gave us 50 good years and I'm thankful and they're at a better place. You see the dynamic, the difference. People of faith, we look for the good. We're looking for the thing to be thankful for. We're not looking for at the negative, you know. I mean, some people, you know, it don't matter if they're married 100 years. It wouldn't be good enough. They're still going to blame God, you know, There's whatever's going on in their lives. And unthankfulness actually hardens the heart. Yes. It hardens the heart so that you don't see what God has been doing in your life. Yes. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. You guys got a few more minutes. They sang for about 10 minutes or I don't know. It probably wasn't that long. but So they took up a little of my time. So 
Hebrews 13. Um, in verse 7, it's talking about this first generation of Israelites. Now, they were complainers. They were murmurers and complainers. And in verse 7 of chapter 13 in Hebrews, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial, in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me and tried me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren. He's talking to us. He's talking to New Testament believers. Verse 12. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. One of the main issues of this first generation was their complaining and murmuring. No matter what they did, no matter what God did, they had something to complain about. They had something to murmur about. No matter what God did in their lives. And you, at one point, you would think, you know, because God said they're complaining against me. But actually, they were, com- they were saying these Moses and this Aaron, and they were complaining against Moses and Aaron, and God took it personal. He said, no, you're not complaining against your leaders. You're complaining against me. And Moses and the Lord was ready to say, I'm done with them. Get rid of them. But Moses had to intervene for them at a couple occasions. Amen? But what's happening here, they got unthankful. And because they got unthankful, their heart was hardened and they couldn't see what God was doing and they and he said you're not entering into my rest he didn't say you deserve it you've been through a lot 400 years in slavery hey no he said you don't (laughs) you're not going in because of all your unbelief because of all this murmuring and complaining well faith people we don't do that right we don't, we don't do that. How do you know Joshua and Caleb for years, they must have had to avoid those kind of people. I mean, you know, you want to avoid unthankful people. You want to run away from them like a plague, like, ah, get away, because that can get on you, that unthankfulness. It really can. People that are complaining, and I'm talking about you, you want to be a person that is, that we're, we're looking for a reason to be thankful. Not, not pretending either. Not, you know what I mean by pretending? Like sometimes, you know, you're like, well, man, a lot of bad stuff is happening and car broke down and man, got to get a new water heater. And, but, you know, God's still good. Thank you, God. No, that's not faith. No, that's not faith, right? That's just, no. That, do you hear any faith in that? Is there any victory in that? But, you know, we, gotta, we still got to be thankful, you know. No, you're not being thankful. <laughs> you're whining, right? Now, every one of us had moments like that, but uh, you got to stir yourself up and grab yourself and say, no, no, no. God has been good and he's come through again and again. Lord, I'm thankful. I, I love you. I thank you. You never failed me. You're never going to fail me. How I many know that's what faith does? We, and when you do that, you actually get into the light of God. See, when you talk about what you're thankful for, you get more light and revelation from God. Don't turn here, but uh, Romans 1 says, um, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So something from God can be revealed when you get in faith. And when you get in faith, it causes more faith. What's going on? See, when something is revealed, when you get in faith, do you see that? Light is revealed. The Bible says in his light, we see light. 
So when you get in the light, when you are thanking God, thanking him even for things you don't know yet, even for things that you don't know how it's going to work out, but you're thanking him, Lord, I know you're going to come through. I know that you're not a man that you would lie. I know that if you said it, it's going to come to pass. I'm thanking you that you give me the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So you're getting in the light. And then what happens is you, the, 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 the Holy Spirit starts bringing to your remembrance the times that he did come through. And you're like, oh, yes, thank you for that time. Oh, I thank you. See, but when you're complaining and you're murmuring, you're opening the spiritual door to the enemy, and he's just causing darkness and more darkness. And pretty soon your situation is hopeless and you're depressed and you don't see how there's any way out of it. But no, faith people say, no, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to give God thanks in every situation. Amen. See, thanksgiving is a vein and flow into the light of God. It's a flow into the light of God where you get more light, where you get more revelation, and you start to see how you can do something that you couldn't see before. You start to see how this can work out and that can work out as you give God thanks, as you you give him glory in faith. That's what faith does. You're giving them thanks before you see it happening. The, the, Lord, help me get this out. 2 Corinthians 2, 14. You don't have to turn there. But it says, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. This is thanksgiving before. You are thanking God before you even see the situation work out. You're thanking him before you see everything come together. Thanks be to God, which always causes us to triumph. That situation's today, and that situation's next month, and next year, I'm going to triumph. So I'm thanking him right now that he always causes me to triumph. This is what faith does. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory. We're thanking him for something that is in the future. For the victory we have in the future. Do you see that? He gives us the victory. Yeah, he gave it to us, but he also gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, do you see that we can rejoice and we can be thankful before we see the victory? See, that's what faith does. Man, I'm not getting enough amens in here. I said that's what faith does. We thank the Lord before we see the victory, before we see the outcome. Because we don't need to know how it's going to happen to know he's going to come through. I said, he's going to come through. Amen. You shout before the walls come down. Why do you shout? Because you are in faith that they're coming down. Because that's what the Lord said to do. As they went, they were healed. Why do you go? Because you're in faith that I'm healed that I'm healed. You see the connection. Faith is always first, first, then the result. Faith is first, then the result. Amen. Faith is first. What about Paul and Silas? They prayed and sang praises at midnight in a prison. And then what happened? Then the earthquake. Then the doors were open. Then the chains came off. Then they were freed. Not before. They sang and praised God before all that happened. If they waited to it happened, it's too late. It's too late to thank God. It's too late to be in faith. Amen. You, you, you can't, faith happens before, as they went. What about Jehoshaphat and the army? What about them? They praise God, and what did if, what if the enemy, before anything happened, they began to sing praises to God, and then the Lord sent an ambushment against the enemy, before. See, faith is before. We're thanking him, we're praising him before we see anything. We're saying, man, I know this is going on, but I'm thanking him right now that the Lord is working everything out in my life for my good and his glory because he always causes us to triumph. Amen. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. I don't care what it looks like. My God is going to do what he said he was going to do. Amen. And listen to this in Romans 4. It says, talking about Abraham, and it says, And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith. How was he strengthened in faith? Giving glory to God. Did you hear that? 
He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. So when Abraham is giving God glory, this is before the promised child. This is before Isaac. He's giving God the glory. He's saying he's faithful to do what he said he's going to do. And what's happening is his faith is getting stronger. It's getting stronger and stronger. And he's not wavering. That's why he cannot wait. That's why he didn't waver and he didn't stagger because he's given God the glory and he's given God thanks. And so his faith is strong and it's getting stronger. It's getting strengthened. Do you see that? Do you see that? Faith is first. We thank the Lord. We're thanking him before we see it. And then we see it. Then it happens. Amen. This is how your faith gets stronger. Glory to God. Go to Hebrews chapter 13. I'm getting ready to close. Hebrews chapter 13. Glory to God. See, if you're giving glory to God, that means you're acknowledging some things. Right? If you're giving him the credit, that means you're acknowledging some things. That means you're saying, hey, Lord, you did this and you did that. So you're going to do this, giving glory to God. Amen? Amen. And his faith was strengthened. He got stronger. In Hebrews 13, now we know Jesus questioned the one leper about the other nine lepers. He said, why didn't he come back? Why didn't the other nine come back to give thanks and acknowledge? And we said before, the Lord is not just looking for acknowledgement, but he knows that this is important to their faith. He knows this is important to them for their sake that they acknowledge. You know, uh, in order to be thankful, in order to give God the glory, you have to first acknowledge what has happened. I'm talking about in detail. I'm talking about specifics. You know, some people choke. Their pride, you know, will choke the words of thank you out of their mouths. <laughs> they won't acknowledge you did a great job. That was awesome. See, pride doesn't want to do that. Entitlement, pride doesn't want to say, you know what? You're better at me than that. Glory. Pride cannot say that. Pride don't want to do that. Pride doesn't want to acknowledge that. But when you're humble and when you're thankful, you just say, man, man, you did a great job. Glory. You, you're good at that. What's wrong with saying that? Right? But in detail, you have to acknowledge to give God glory. You have to acknowledge to give God thanks. Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says, Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. So is there some effort involved? Yes. Yeah, there's some effort. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. That's the fruit of our lips. That means we hear it. And even if someone's around you, they hear it too. They hear you giving God the praise. They hear what you're thankful for. Amen? In detail, they hear what you're saying. What's that song, uh, that old song, uh, Count? I was singing it this morning. Count your blessings. Um, yeah, count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. Look what the Lord has done. How many know? Name them one by one. That's biblical. You want to name, you want to be specific what the Lord has done, right? Because that helps you get out of that unthankfulness when you start recounting all the things that the Lord has done for you. What if you do that with your spouse? Start thanking them for specific things in, in their, that they're doing for you, that they've done, that they're good at. I mean, I'm, th I'm thankful that I got a woman of God right here that steps out in faith, that's not afraid. I said, that's sexy, that you can step out in faith and minister the gospel. I like it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I'm thanking her for that. I'm, uh, that's, I'm thankful that I have a, a wife that is willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. I'm thankful for that. Those are things that I'm thankful for. You know, we need to say it in detail what you're thankful for. Don't just say, nah, I'm thankful. For what? Say what you're thankful for. Well, we also need to do that. You know, if we do that with our spouses, if we do that with the people around us, what happens? You're going to appreciate them more. 
You're going to be, what if we just cultivate that every day, just stir ourselves up and you start praying, Lord, thank you that my wife is a woman of God. Thank you that she is, fears you, that she loves you. Thank you that my husband obeys you. Thank you that you are good to it. And you just start naming all the very specific things. Well, what's going to happen? Your love and appreciation for them is going to come, to another, come up to another level. Amen. Instead of saying, well, you never do this and you never do this for me, boo-hoo. Well, uh, what's going to happen? Well, you know, sadness, darkness, and pretty soon you're like, well, this person ain't even from the Lord. I made a mistake. That's how things happen like that. The person you once were saying, oh, God connected us. Well, you got unthankful. No, we got to stir ourselves up. Be specific, cultivate a daily lifestyle of praise, amen? Instead of, use, instead of using those negative absolutes, like you never and you always do this and you never do that, start saying, you always are a blessing to me. <laughs> you always say the right things at the right time, even if it's by faith you say it. You're speaking those things. You always say, say the right thing at the right time. Glory to God. Thank you. By faith, you see that. By faith, you're giving glory to God. But it takes effort to do this. But is the Lord worth our gratitude? Is he worth our effort? Is he worth recalling the things that he's done in our lives, the things that he has done for us, the things and the people that he has brought to us? Is he worth our gratitude? Yes, he's worth it. So all this week, and this is a lifestyle that we should cultivate, we're thanking him. Wake up thanking the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you, I thank you that you delivered me. If he delivered you from drugs and alcohol, Lord, thank you that you delivered me from drugs and alcohol. Thank you that you brought me out of the slums. Thank you that you brought me out of the pit. Thank you that you healed my broken body. Thank you. You're thanking the Lord, thanking him, and that you're, what's happening, you're getting in faith. You're getting in faith. You're getting in the light of God. Amen? Amen. And it takes, how many know we're going to be the guy, that one guy that came back? We're not going to be the one that Jesus said, hey, where's the rest of those people at One Way Family Church? Why ain't they coming to thank me? No, we're going to be the one who says, Lord, thank you, with a loud voice, it says. With a loud voice, he gave thanks. Amen? So at Thanksgiving, you might get a little loud and say, oh, thank you, as you're getting ready to pray for your food. And you thank you. Somebody, calm down. Calm, what's going on? The Lord's not hard to hear. Yeah, but he ain't nervous either. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you, Father. We thank you for this meal that you gave us. Amen? Amen. But we're thankful because the Lord is worth our gratitude. Amen?